I think I can't be home without adult supervision, Sophia said. She was laughing, but I saw she also had some pain on her face. Sophia and I were chatting on Zoom, and she was reiterating how the last three weeks have felt like a giant setback in terms of her binge eating. Suddenly, I'm not going to school anymore, she explained. I'm having to teach my students over the internet, but being home all the time is so hard. There's also all this extra time, since I'm not commuting, and I'm not doing hair and makeup, but there's so much food here in the pantry, and I can't go anywhere to get away from it. I've been trying to eat normally, but every evening I find I'm just standing in the pantry, eating out of the boxes and bags, and I just end up feeling like garbage. Sophia's story is one Mary Claire and I are hearing a lot of in the last month. Many people who struggle with their eating are finding that the last month has been really triggering because there's the combination of intense, uncomfortable emotion and heightened availability of food. If we're at home, then the pantry's right there, the refrigerator's within arm's reach, and there's nothing stopping us from going to it to try and comfort ourselves when we're feeling unhappy. You might feel that, like Sophia, you being home alone with food is just a problematic setup that'll never end well. But as we're going to talk about today, you don't have to throw out all your food, and you don't have to have someone with you 24-7 to keep you from overeating. I'm going to give you one of my favorite tools for helping cope with unpleasant emotions. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. We do two groups each year of the Breaking Up with Binge Eating coaching program. The most recent one we kicked off in February of 2020. So the timing was kind of funny. They got about four weeks to get to know each other and us. And then boom, the coronavirus pandemic just turned the world upside down. Recovery from binge eating always means learning to identify and handle our emotional selves. But most of the time, we get six months to really take our time with the process. Well, I think this current coaching group is getting a trial by fire. We are all having lots of emotions, so we either have got to get good at handling them fast, or we're going to be doing a lot of emotional eating. For listeners of the podcast, I think the time is right as well to see this as an opportunity to buckle up and get some practice in on this emotional ride. Because whether we choose to work on our emotional skills or not, we're going to have a lot of emotions rocking our boats this next few months. Why not use them to get practice on and develop stronger coping skills? In earlier podcast episodes, Mary Claire and I have covered topics we use in our coaching program, such as emotional awareness and defusing from our feelings. Definitely check out the episodes titled How Emotionally Skilled People Handle Their Feelings, and definitely listen to the one called Progression from Binge Eating to Weight Loss Emotions. Today I want to share with you a new tool that's not in those episodes to help build up your own ability to practice emotional acceptance. We have buckets of tools that we use with our clients, and everybody kind of finds they gravitate toward different things. Some people like the acceptance and commitment therapy tools, and other people find they like cognitive behavioral approaches best. Sometimes people really love the idea of their basic needs as described by self-determination theory. But there's no right or wrong approach, and you can certainly mix them up into the perfect solution for you. As a practitioner, I also have my favorite approaches for different scenarios. 
And the one that I'm going to talk about today is called Making Space. It comes from acceptance and commitment therapy, and I find it's my go-to when myself or the person I'm using it for has little control over the source of the emotion, and it's likely to stick around for some time. Grief, depression, and anxiety over a chronic situation are three great places where this making space technique can be a good fit. Here's how it's done. Sometimes the best way to describe making space is how life feels when we're not making space. To illustrate, I'll use one of the examples that Russ Harris uses in his book, The Reality Slap. So if you imagine taking a book and holding it right up against the end of your nose, like your face is just buried in it. If the words on that page said loneliness, for example, and that was the only emotion that you were feeling, you couldn't really see around the book or around the room. It's just dominating your view. If you walked around all day like that, you wouldn't notice other people, you wouldn't notice flowers, you wouldn't notice sunshine, you wouldn't notice anything. You would just be nose deep into your loneliness. That's what it's like when you don't have any space between you and emotion. This one feeling dominates you. But if we make some space, such as moving the book several inches, a foot, two feet away from us, and maybe placing it down on the table, we're not fighting with the emotion. We're not throwing the book across the room or trying to hide it from ourselves. We're just making some space so that we still have and we honor the feeling of loneliness that we have, but we also can entertain other things in our lives. So I can have my feeling of loneliness, but also look around the room and see my husband smile at me. I can enjoy beautiful music. I can enjoy my lunch. I can do a lot of things that I can't do if my face is buried in the book, or metaphorically buried in one feeling. So making space for a lot of clients this week has looked like stopping the project of trying to fix their stress or their emotion, whether that's grief, whether it's worry about the future. We may not be in a position where we can cure or eradicate or hide that feeling from ourselves. So we might as well just have it along for the ride and make space so that we can also feel wonderful things at the same time. I find that when people commit to making space for their emotion, they don't do as much emotional eating or binge eating. And that's because emotional eating and binge eating are things that we try and do to separate ourselves from our emotion. Those are things that we do when we're trying to hide the feeling or numb the feeling or push it down. So if we give up that fight and we just say, you know, I'm going to live the best life I can and I'm just going to let this emotion be here, but I'm going to make space for the rest of my life too, it enables a full, rich experience. So I'd like to invite you to try and make space for any feelings that you're having right now that are uncomfortable. Know that they're not wrong or incorrect and they'll hang around for a while and then they'll be on their way. But while you have uncomfortable feelings, enjoy your friends, connect with people over the internet laugh at things, try some crafts, get creative. There's so many wonderful things that we can experience. We don't have to limit ourselves to just one feeling. I'm Georgie. If you have any questions or you just want to reach out and say hello, I've got all the time in the world for you. My email is georgie at nutritionloft.com and I'd love to hear what you think of the show. Talk to you soon.